to the Theater of Public Policy podcast. Our show today comes from a live interview we did with Ilhan Omar, who at the time was the Minnesota House candidate for District 60B. Though at listening this, if you're hearing it in the future, she's likely going to be elected in that district because she's currently running unopposed. Uh, her challenger ended up dropping out of the race, and so it's likely that she will be elected and become part of the Minnesota House. Um, she was very interesting. We talked a lot about uh, her background, why she decided to run, um, her work with the Women Organizing Women Network, what she feels is important in Minnesota politics, what she hopes to accomplish while she's in the House, and lots of other different areas. Um, I'd also like to uh, call your attention to our sponsors. First, we have a media sponsor with MinPost, which provides reader-supported news and analysis. You can find out more at www.minpost.com. And this show was originally taped on the 31st of October, Halloween. And so our other sponsor wanted to let you know that your teeth may be hurting uh, after eating all of that sugar. And if you need a visit to, visit to the dentist, you should go to Fiant Dental who will be able to help you out uh, from overindulging in Halloween candy, because that happens to the best of us. Um, this is the last show of our fall season, but feel free to listen to all of the other shows that we have in the archives. And we hope to have a cool project coming out uh, later, so stay tuned for that. We also might release some of our old episodes from the archives that haven't uh, been able to been, have been worked, and so they will be new to you, even though they might be a little less timely than they originally were. Um, that's all the announcements. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here. We're so we're so excited to have you. Uh, thank you so much for, for and I should say thank you for making time to be here a week away from election day. I imagine you know you you have a lot of campaigning to do because you have a very fierce, very close election <laughs> in 60B that is happening next week. Yes, it's very tight. It is very tight. We, uh, we should. I sh it sounds like most people in the audience get that, but you, you don't have an opponent at this point, so you can do things like improv comedy shows. <laughs> Kinda, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. So, uh, so I wanna. I have a. I have a lot of things I wanna ask about to, to start. Uh, can we just talk a little bit about uh, you coming and deciding that you wanted to run for office in the first place? Uh, the, we've had shows before where we've talked about generally people, especially young people, find the idea of running for office, um, I don't know, a walk in misery. Uh, and and to, to do that not only as a young person, but, and I think that this is a big part of, of the excitement, is that you are going to break a lot of barriers by becoming uh, the first Somali woman uh, in the United States elected to a state-level office. So why, 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 yeah. Well, Tane, thank you very much um, for having me. I want to say hi to everyone um, for being here with us on Halloween night. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't a, a really easy decision. Um, you know, statistically, they say it takes uh, women seven times to be asked to run for office before they say yes. Um, men usually just decide, wake up one morning and say, oh, I'm just going to run. I'm qualified Do you remember do the this. seventh time that you were asked <laughs> to run uh, for So office. I think it took maybe 14 times. Um, because, as you said, I am... Um, you know, I'm, I'm a woman that comes from uh, a particularly minority community that oftentimes doesn't see women um, in the public leadership positions. And so I 
had to think um, about what it would mean for me to run as a visibly Muslim woman, um, what it would mean to run against a 44-year incumbent, um, what it would mean to run as a mother of three, uh, and, and, and there's a lot of challenges to overcome. And so as someone who's worked on campaigns and knows the kind of work that goes into it in the day-to-day, um, it, it took a and really so what, long time. What was it that flipped the switch then? What was it that you eventually that, that turned and said, you said, yeah, I can yeah. do this? Yeah, I mean, so I, uh, you know, did, a, did, I was one of those women who made the ask of a lot of other women um, to run for office. And, and I did trainings, and I think um, for me, every time I would make some sort of an excuse for myself, I was reminded of the fact that um, I told these women that, you know, they couldn't make excuses and they just had to do it. Do they ever um, call you back and they're like, what did you get me into? <laughs> uh, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll be friends with them. You'll yeah. have all of I, them. I, I do that to people who've, yeah. who've convinced me to run. I yeah. call them often and say, you're not door knocking. Would see what you got me into. Now you need to come babysit and do something. That's good. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Um, so uh, to backtrack a little, uh, I mean, uh, I, a lot of folks here probably already know uh, you were uh, born in Somalia. You actually spent uh, you you left at age eight, is that correct? And then uh-huh. spent four years in a Kenyan refugee camp. Uh, and part of this that I found really interesting is that your grandfather was a really big part of your life, and your grandfather actually helped sort of. Uh, bring you sort of into politics a little bit. Can you talk a little bit about sort of the relationship and particularly how that sort of generational piece with him introducing you in some ways to American politics or you introducing him maybe is actually a better way to put it. Um, So my my grandfather um, was was born during colonial times in Somalia um, and had always hoped uh, to participate in a free democracy, uh, and he did um, for about four years. It's very short-lived, and and carried this hope with him. And so when we arrived here in the United States, and and the two of us reunited in Minnesota, um, he was interested in taking advantage of um, the 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 access to to politics that is readily available here. And um, and him and I always connected uh, around politics. It was the normal conversation. I think a lot of my siblings weren't really interested in talking to him about politics, and he liked to talk about politics a lot. And so um, that was sort of our um, the thing that connected us. And and so I I took him to his first caucus um, in in our neighborhood and and uh, served as his cultural and language translator to um, allow him uh, to fully participate. And s- that sort of started my, my relationship with, with, our, with our politics here. And, um, and I kind of got involved in creating uh, opportunities and access for people like my grandfather who were so eager to participate in our democracy but had uh, the inaccessibility of speaking the language, or or the the inaccessibility of ha- being of uh, a culture that 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 wasn't the norm. And you've already 
hinted or talked a little bit about this, but uh, there is a large part of the culture that is not it's, – it's atypical to be a woman uh, running for office and whatnot. And I'm wondering, was that something that you talked about with your, your grandfather? Was it something that he was that, – that you were sort of raised to think, no, that you can change that, you can break out of that? Or was that something that you just sort of – you never – I don't know. I'm trying to sort of wrap my head around how you broke that mold. Yeah. I mean, so let me talk about another grandfather of mine um, – my my grandfather on on my my dad's side um, lived with us when I was very young, and uh, he didn't believe in in gender roles, um, and wow. so he, like at all. Like no, yeah, he 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 believed like the the kids in the family were just kids. Um, so did he buy like so, he bought you like a monster truck and like uh, yeah and, yeah like, I mean like the, just, the sons like Barbie dolls and he's like it doesn't yeah, matter man yeah, all, like yeah, we could we could. the sixties will live again yeah yeah and and, <laughs> uh, and he oftentimes you know I I was um, a little troublemaker and a very opinionated kid and spoke um, pretty early uh, and and. He, the 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 people in the neighborhood would call me Arawella, and Arawella was uh, this queen um, in 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 Somalia, who um, wasn't a really nice queen. Oh, I was um, about to say, wow, how how <laughs> nice of them, and then that, no, not really. It's yeah, she, I mean, like she calling someone like Queen Bloody Mary, like it's sort of a mixed bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because in in Somalia, the the celebration around kingdoms were. Um, just for the king and this this woman who rose to be a queen was sort of demonized, um, and so I would come home and I would cry about this being called Arawella because I was like, this is icky, and uh, and my grandfather would say, no 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 no, she was really powerful, and so you are powerful. She was more wise than the men because women tend to be wiser. He would say, <laughs> uh, and and. <laughs> And so, um, so I, I kind of, you know, early on uh, was raised to believe that I could sort of strive to be anything I wanted and, and, and be anything I wanted. And um, unfortunately, my grandfather, the political one, uh, wasn't alive when I made my decision. He passed away in 2013. Um, so he wasn't around to, to help convince me to run. So, uh, and I want to do one last piece around the the background, which is uh, I, I'm trying to imagine y you and your grandfather uh, going to a, a caucus for the very first time, which is you know a lot of people don't go to caucuses uh, like ever because they're it's hard it's hard to imagine them being particularly inspiring um, as as principled. But my question is more what you decided to go to a DFL caucus. And we kind of, I think, take that for granted now that, you know, uh, our, a lot of our immigrant communities are um, associated with the Democrats. But I think it's fair to ask why, like when you were just sort of landed here and you didn't necessarily have any reason to think like DFL or GOP or whatnot, what, what drew you and, or your grandfather initially to thinking, oh, the DFL is where my priorities or my, my passions lie? Yeah. So I like like I said, you know, my, my grandfather followed politics, I mean, world politics. And so um, he didn't like Reagan. And uh, so he knew he wasn't a Republican. <laughs> so, okay. so, so, so that's, that's the most applause, <laughs> like anti-Reagan stuff has ever gotten in this. Uh, but that's yeah, good. I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't really remember why he didn't like Reagan. We, there's we, a few we reasons. We we'll do another show about it. Yeah. 
but, but so he so he knew that he was interested in getting involved in in politics here and that he was a democrat that's very good because he and, and it's it's really interesting because now you know um we 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 all know the the quote by um wellstone that says you know politics is a tool to 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 make positive change in people's lives um and and that's sort of like what my grandfather saw politics as and he believed that the democratic party was the party of the people and for the people and so that's why we participated in that so i uh, i'm curious how there is a piece of this that i actually am sincerely interested in trying to to wrap my head around and it, it no it's a there's a question that uh, i'm a i went to the humphrey school and and have some background with political science and i've never been able to answer satisfactorily for myself how do you how do we talk about or how do we think about identity politics right like i think that it, as we've said sort of it's a, it's groundbreaking that you are a somali woman who is running for office but uh, on the other hand you don't want to ever be in a position where you feel like oh i'm voting for this person because just of their identity yeah. and yet that's part of it and so in all honesty like this just is gets to be a really muddled issue that i don't know exactly how to pick apart like how much should i wait sort of a person versus the actual things that they might do and and the the image of them versus the the policy prescriptions yeah i mean i think it's it, it is a it's a very frustrating thing and it's it's because um, in in my primary race there was another Somali candidate, and my district is one of the most diverse districts um, in our state, and so we wanted to actually move away from um, from identity politics. We didn't want to lead with you know come elect Ilhan because she'll make history, um, and so our conversations were around policy and uh, and creating a vision that uh, unified our district and, and, and talked a lot about what it means to have a prosperous and equitable Minnesota and, and, and the difference between just being a liberal and a progressive and in, in, in that urgency and taking action to create um, the, the kind of state that we wanted to see. Uh, and I think you know, we sort of worked to suspend a lot of my identities uh, and 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 make sure people were focused on Ilhan, the the person who is able to do this, and the person who is about that, rather than Ilhan, you know, the 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 Somali Ilhan, the Muslim Ilhan, the kid who lived in a refugee camp, just what the headlines are always about. But uh, follow up question: What is the difference between a liberal and a progressive? Okay, so so my my yeah. definition. Uh, so I I think uh, a liberal is someone who is open to new ideas, and progressive is someone who puts action behind those ideas. That was very simple. That was very good. <clears throat> uh, I d uh, I I had one piece that I wanted to ask, and there's is, there's not a particularly great segue to this, but it's just you worked for um, City Council Member Andrew Johnson who uh, we've had on the show before, and he is, uh, he's a very terrific uh, person, and he is a fascinating character in that he is a nerd. Like, he is a, I, I don't think that he would disagree with this, right? Like, he is like a deep, like, internet nerd who, like, likes reading old policy and finding, like, where the, they use some language that's, out. how did, how did you sort of, like, meet this guy and be like, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my soulmate in policy world. Like that twenty-nine-year-old IT professional. That's that—that—that's kind of how it was. Uh, so um, I actually ended up 
I, I was a manager. I managed his campaign. Right. Um, when when we met, um, I I met him in in two occasions. Um, one was I was running a, a New Americans pack where we screened candidates who were running for. City Did you Council. screen him out? Because I don't think that he is a New American. I'm pretty sure. I'm not. No, no. So it it was uh, if he agreed with the policies. Oh, okay, got it, care. got it. Uh, and and then um, I, I screened him again at a um, my DFL caucus screening, Minnesota Young Democrat. And I remember um, talking to David, who's my campaign chair, and and saying we have to endorse him. And and uh, and he was like, why? And I said, I, I think it's pro- like the the first person who was running. Um, for a Minneapolis City Council who didn't theoretically talk about things, right? He came in and he was like, ordinance number, da 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 you know, this needs to get changed, and, uh, and this budget on autumn number 15 needs to, you know, like and that. And you were like, yeah, And I was like, yeah. we, need, we need somebody like that, yeah. because that's, that's not... Um, that's not often the, the the kind of person who runs and who gets support, right? Sure. Where, where we oftentimes um, like to support candidates who uh, are a little a little flashy yeah. with with the way that they talk about politics, and and I care about real politics, and so I, I wanted us to support him, and I signed on to not just support him, but like manage this campaign, and went to work for him in his office, and and we did. Right, do a lot of ordinance-related yeah. work. Uh, so I should prep... He, he did a lot of the reading. Y- that's just, good. I just helped. It's uh, <laughs> very generous. That's good. Um, uh, so I should say that we're going to open it up for audience questions the second half of the show, uh, and there's so much more I want to ask. I wanted to do sort of like a lightning round of, uh, okay. of policy issues. Okay. Uh, it's going to be okay. Like... Uh, they, this is, I assume this is how the I Minnesota... I not Andrew. Uh, yeah, this is how the Minnesota legislature works, is okay. that you show... Well, you, yeah. know, you show up on the very last day, the and then you have, like, about 12 minutes to pass all of these bills. So, um, so get ready. Okay. This is training? Yeah, this is right. just training. Okay, okay. so let's, uh, let's go through these. So, wait, how are we doing it? I, I'm going to sort of... Uh, Say an issue, and if you can give me sort of like your your uh, where you s- boilerplate where you stand on, and then I for yeah. some of these I have sort of like a little follow up uh, a okay. particular policy. So like okay. the economy, uh, which I know is a big thing that you're talking about. If you can just do the economy in like uh, five seconds or less. Um, I I support our economy. That's good. That's good. Uh, so say. Th- Follow-up. This will be something I think at the legislature and in the city, uh, raising the minimum wage. uh, (laughs) Where uh, Minnesota should raise the minimum wage. Minneapolis should raise the minimum wage. Yeah, so I'm one of the earliest supporters of um, raising the minimum wage to $15. I think uh, someone who works a full-time job should also be able to um, earn a living wage. And... um, and and I think uh, it's it's a really good policy, and I think Minneapolis should do it, and then, then we should look at it statewide. Do you think it, the, some of the pushback for Minneapolis is just it, it might be problematic potentially to do it for just one city? That it should be something that the state looks at as a whole. Do you does that persuade you at all, or do you think no, Minneapolis is big enough to do it by itself? Or so here's 
here's how I look at it. I think Minneapolis is usually the example for the rest of the state. And um, so if we're thinking about a regional model, if Minneapolis does it, um, St. Paul will follow uh, like they did with um, our earned sick and safe time. And so I think just the, the regions surrounding Minneapolis will, will follow the lead and Minneapolis needs to take the lead. It's good. Uh, not that not that we're calling St. Paulites followers or sheep. No, but no, no, um, no, 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 no. That's not that's not what we're doing. No, good. No. All right, we're all just right. saying they know when they see a good policy that their friends make. Uh, okay, so um, so this one you have uh, you have several specifics. Uh, I know that you've been campaigning on, uh, but but education and particularly talk to us about what what do you want the state to sort of look at and start. Uh, potentially passing in terms of legislation to, to re-examine how we do education, K-12 in the state? Yeah, I think um, education in, in, in my district and I think across the state is really important. Um, I look at wraparound services and in, in making sure that we're using our resources um, wisely. Currently when you know we, we think about particular resources that go to resource officers, which are police officers in the schools, um, we need to reallocate that money for social workers uh, and, um, and, and make sure that we are um, looking at the child uh, and, and, and providing holistic service to, to the community so that they can support them and that the children are um, getting supported. Okay, perfect. Um, oh, let's do it. Let's do a really hard one. So, uh, uh, police reform, uh, hey. fun. So, uh, so th this is another one where uh, I know that you've talked about uh, moving from sort of a broken windows model of policing to more community policing. But you also have some very specific proposals. You've said, uh, particularly around how officers should involve themselves with transit or with uh, particular types of stops versus not stops when you can do something versus Dash cams, can you talk a little about that? Yeah, I mean, so if, if, if we think about um, a lot of the, the stops that have led to fatal shootings, um, police-involved fatal shootings, they're, they're, un they're unnecessary. It's not part of policing. You know, someone having a broken taillight isn't part of policing. Uh, so I believe that it's not the best use of the resources of police officers, that the person should receive a ticket and that they um, should their tickets should be sent home to them instead of us pulling them over and, and giving them a ticket and wasting their time and wasting the time of the police officers when there is uh, particular communities that need the actual services. Because we know like areas in um, parts of, of Minneapolis and in a lot of our cities, uh, police officers don't arrive when there is actual fatal shootings um, in a timely fashion uh, because they're busy harassing uh, people uh, on, on the streets and profiling. And so I want to make sure that we don't have policies that give police license to harass and profile, that um, we are furthering policies that are going to make sure that the police are there to protect and serve. That, that's great. M uh, maybe a, a, a quick, may, this isn't that quick, but uh, uh, sentencing reform and, um, and uh, felon voting rights? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, that's just a nod. <laughs> yes, oh, we should wait, do both I of those. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, question mark. Um, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think, you know, criminal justice reform is long overdue. Um, our, our prisons are overcrowded because of mandatory sentencing, and I think we need to repeal mandatory sentencing. We need to bring back parole boards, and we need to make sure 
um, that um, cases for marijuana, we should legalize marijuana and make sure that we um, should legalize we marijuana. We should legalize marijuana. That was one of sure my like lightning, lightning round questions. Lightning, and you lightning. already did. I thought that was going to be said trickier. These were difficult. But. No, that so legalize marijuana. Okay, that's good. Yes. Um, uh, recreationally as well as medically. Yes, that's good. All right. So uh, sun, <laughs> Sunday sales uh, for alcohol. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes, I'm, I support. Is I there mean. anything that you want to not ha- let us have? Like, come on. I uh, mean. Don't you want to be this powerful queen that, like, prevents us from getting the things that we like, like sugars or something? Uh, maybe that? No? I don't know. I think we should. I like sugar. Okay. There's a lot of sugar in my coffee, so I don't know about sugar. Okay. So the, um, it's the East African in me. <laughs> I love it. All right. So last one I'll just ask you because um, uh, I have to. So we can do sort of thumbs up, thumbs downs on these. So okay. uh, transit, uh, Southwest Light Rail. Uh, is a thumbs up. Uh, good, uh, I guess. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't have a. S- yes, there's there's some Edina people in the <laughs> audience. So, um, and uh, and Botno, which is would go up and up through the. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Okay. Good. And uh, any other any other transit plans you want to? As long as we're just deciding these now. No. Okay. That's good. Uh, so my last question is. Um, and again, we're going to open up for everybody in the last half. But it's 2016, and we kind of started talking about this in terms of you are are running, I think, a very inspiring campaign that, that has a lot of people excited. Amidst sort of, I don't know what the right word is, hellscape of politics that we're living in otherwise. And I'm wondering just uh, how you're finding it in going out and campaigning. And I know you've been campaigning beyond just your district in, the, in places uh, throughout Minnesota and even in other states. Uh, are, thi- are people uh, getting more discouraged or more hopeful? Uh, do you find that people are excited to participate and talk to you about what you're going to do or are they getting more turned off because it is so vitriolic and vile in so many different spaces? Um, we have 10 seconds, so <laughs> no. So I've always paid attention to local politics. And um, and my message of hope for a lot of people is to make sure that we're referencing um, our ideas of, of politics and where the attention should be, um, and it should it should be away from the the presidency that seems to be a little contentious at the moment. Um, there are more people running at local level in your school, city council, state uh, races that make. Um, that have an actual impact on your day-to-day life. And, and what I hope that people are paying more attention to is the exciting races like mine that are happening locally. Um, and, and I think in, in that turning out for that and getting engaged that way, um, you know, it's just sort of like Obama says, if, 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 if you're feeling turned off about what's happening, you need to think about what, what are the issues on the ballot? Where are your values? And, and voting is a way that you give voice to your values. Uh, and, and so that's, that's sort of been my message to people is that they still need to come out um, and, and voice their values. Ladies and gentlemen, can we do a tremendous round of applause? Uh, Ms. Ilhan Omar. All right, so if you have a question, 
Raise your hand in a non-threatening manner and I will race towards you with a microphone. Also in a non-threatening manner. All right, questions, uh, hands. That, that was just a, a part. Uh, all the, good, all the way in the back. Good, well, so someone just uh, talk amongst yourselves. I don't know if anybody knows any jokes or um, this is good. All right, hello. Yes. Please take it out of my way. Can you name uh, maybe two or three of the Minnesotans you most admire? Two, two or three of the. Oh, I thought yeah. you were coming back. No, I'm I am. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, I'm sorry. To do this no, on my just own. go okay. ahead. Yeah, go nuts. Um, Minnesotans I admire. Let's see. Um, our governor. This is a Minnesotan I admire, Governor Dayton. Um, let's see, Prince. Um. And so I don't, I don't know if any of you seen the, the Minneapolis-St. Paul um, magazine, but I talked about uh, one of the first movies that I watched being Tootsie, so Jessica Lange is a Minnesotan I admire. Really? That's very cool. Well, yeah, Jessica Lange. All right, so uh, uh, other questions? Uh, hands, any question for, yeah, come over, scoot around. These just, no, uh, it's okay. Here you go. Hi. Um, I'm not in your district, so I okay. haven't been following the campaign that closely, so forgive me if everyone else knows the answer to this, but I wanted to ask if you support gay marriage. Um, I do, and I actually um, uh, believe that uh, the freedoms that I fight for myself should be extended to people. Um, I think one of the greatest things that is about this country and why people come here is to seek refuge in, in, in being equal. Um, and so the equalities that are extended to me, I want extended to people. Other hands? Yes, I'm going to come right down over here. Um, what would be the most effective way to eradicate homelessness in our state? building homes, <laughs> um, putting people in them, and, uh, and, and making sure um, that, that that system is working for them. I did a, a tour of homeless shelters. Um, was it last year or the year before doing Ramadan? Um, so as, as part of my faith, um, in the month of Ramadan, we're supposed to... Uh, care for those that are less fortunate and um, and and in uh, so I, I invited Muslims uh, to come along doing Ramadan with me on this journey to see um, how how bad our homeless system uh, is um, for for our Minnesotans and what what I remember hearing about is that for for what it costs our state um, to care for um, people who are homeless it would cost us 30% um, <coughs> it would cost us one third of that for us to properly house them 
um, for long term than what we are doing right now. So, so in 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 the winter months, there was um, one of the homeless advocates that we were talking about. People would go in um, because they there is no availability in a, in a homeless shelter and they can't be out. So they would check in at an emergency and say that they've got all of these illnesses because they want to stay there for that whole night um and uh so that emergency room hospital would sp spend so much money that would then be consumed by the taxpayers um in in providing a care for someone that just needed a warm bed uh and and so there are things like that where the system is failing people and so yes just build houses and um and 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 let's properly care for them I have a whole bunch of questions I can ask, but I want to make sure I'm giving everybody who has a chance, has a question a chance. All right, good. Yes, right here. Uh, we're talking a lot about race equity in our mm -hmm. state, nationally, otherwise. Um, how do you think here in Minnesota, beyond just Minneapolis, uh, we can best accomplish uh, true racial equity? I mean, I think we need to first move away from um, these duplicative studies that we keep doing. <laughs> we, we, we know what the disparities look like, um, and, and we just need to move towards action. Uh, and so I think um, there the, the biggest thing in, in closing, I think, a lot of the racial disparity gaps is looking at um, reforming our whole systems. Um, looking at where the economic gaps are uh, and and making sure that we're creating jobs for everyone um, you know uh, passing a, a minimum a minimum wage that is a livable wage like fifteen dollars that is a way to close our racial disparity gaps uh, making sure that um, our schools have the proper resources to care for the whole child that's a way to close the racial disparity gap making sure that our criminal justice system um, is, is reformed uh, is, is a way to close the disparity gap. I think oftentimes we are uh, more focused on, on, on giving a handout. You know, this is a particular resource, here you go, and we don't think about what kind of systematic barriers there are um, that keep feeding into this racial disparity gap. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, you sort of have to go at, at the bigger um, thing rather than focusing on on the small um, million dollar, three million dollar, you know, three hundred million dollars that we keep throwing at uh, creating resources for for communities. Some of these communities don't need the handout; they need for the system to work for them, like it works for everyone in the way that it was supposed to work for all of us. That's a very interesting. I, I kind of wanted to follow up though because uh, several of the all of the proposals that you just said, none of those are are specifically targeted towards a particular community. They're very broad. And so, can I mean, is that your sort of philosophy of how you do start to address some of these? Uh, is that you don't necessarily. Uh, focus in on, oh, this is the community that's hurt, so you have to uh, do something for that community, but almost, and I know that this has uh, particularly problematic connotations, especially in the secret Reagan fan club, but a, a rising <laughs> tide lifts all boats kind of idea? Yeah, I mean, I think when, when, you, when you think about um, our, our economic gaps, 
um, you know, uh, oft oftentimes if if we were to look at um, a, a jobs bill where um, everyone in every community has access um, in regards to transportation and in, in finding a job and keeping that job, um, in, in regards to education, in, in getting the proper trainings that they need, um, in, in having access to that particular job, um, when, when it comes to housing, in making sure that our housing stock is accessible to everyone and it's affordable. Uh, so I think everything is interlinked, um, and I think when we look at policy uh, in, in regards to the common good, <laughs> um, I think then we move away from this being only good for a particular community. It is, it, you're supposed to look at it through the lens of um, equity, um, but then make sure that everything is equally accessible to everyone and that there are some members in our community that do need that uh, step up and a steal to, to, to reach that and some that don't. Um, but making sure that the necessities are met for everyone so that we can all thrive. Uh, so I, a couple closing questions here. Uh, you've been campaigning now for more than a year, right? Uh, in some degree. And presumably uh, within the next uh, couple weeks, you're going to be a, a legislator to be. You're going to move from politician to elected official. And I'm wondering if you've thought much about sort of uh, the distance or if there is a distance, a disconnect between sort of uh, politics and policy. Uh, you've been a policy aide and whatnot, and you've seen sort of the, the challenges of making some of this stuff happen. That, And have you thought, uh, or do you have anything to say sort of about uh, the things that we think and talk about in politics that then either become difficult or challenging or uh, maybe get messier once you actually move into the crafting legislation piece? Um, I don't... I don't really believe in that. <laughs> uh, I, I believe that um, that we we run to represent a particular community and make sure that they're there that we f we help work together to find solutions. And so, in 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 creating policy, um, you have to be connected to to the particular communities that you serve. Um, and in that, there shouldn't be that disconnect between between you as the politician um, and the campaign rhetoric uh, and and the policies that you bring about and I think if if you believe in a um, tab down model then that is difficult because then you are far away from the issues um, but I believe in a bottom-up process where the people sort of uh, are part in part connected to the politicians that serve in creating that policy. Um, so I don't really see a disconnect or a challenge uh, in, in making sure that a lot of the things that I care about are brought to fruition. So we've had several uh, legislators or former legislators on the show in the past, and one of the things a lot of them talk about is that uh, you you get to the legislature, you get to Congress or wherever it is, and it's very much like the first day of school. And so I'm wondering if you've thought about like your first day of, of legislature school like you know like how do you what table do you sit at at lunch or like how do you how do you make friends uh like do you like try and hang out with the cool kids or like i i don't know what i don't know what this kind of goes through you already have some friends there so that's yeah. probably like a built-in 
Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really worried about that first day of school. I've had a lot of first days of schools. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think, you know, I often talk about my, my immigrant experience and in, in coming to, to this country, um, you know, knowing two words of English um, and, and, and having to figure out a way to navigate our system and survive middle school. Uh, and so I think if Middle I can... Middle school, very close corollary to yes, the Minnesota legislature. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think if I can survive, um, you know, four years in a refugee camp, uh, you know, middle school, not knowing much English, um, I, I think, you know, it's going to be a cakewalk in that first day in the Capitol. That's, that's very good. Um, uh, uh, on another piece of that, uh, I, I mean, a big part of being a legislator inherently, because you're part of a body and things get done by making relationships and whatnot. I mean, what uh, can you talk to us a little about what your sort of strategy or tactic is to try and reach out and connect with people, particularly folks who maybe don't uh, necessarily agree with you on, on the front end? How do you how do you start those conversations? How do you how do you win people over for trying to get some of the things passed that you care? about yeah I mean I I think you know my, my way sort of has been about winning people over sure yeah <laughs> who who don't see themselves as people who share a lot of things with me um, and so I sort of usually start uh, on the basis that we oftentimes have a shared value um, uh, in 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 wanting you know similar things for all of ourselves and so I, I look forward to reaching out and having this, these conversations about our commonalities rather than the things that make us different. And that's actually a, a, on a that's on a uh, maybe a micro level with you and other legislators. I mean, I will be honest. I think about this a lot, both on sort of a statewide and a national level. That I worry that we're sort of getting more and more distant from each other. That we are self segregating ourselves. That we live in communities that that look like us and uh, sound like us and, and believe the same things we do. And so I, I, I guess I'm wondering partially, because you have kind of gone out and you've been sort of a representative for campaigning all across the state of Minnesota, mm -hmm. um, how do we, I guess, sort of as if, if we're thinking about um, kind of marching off into the world, uh, start to, I don't know, undo some of that or, or break some of that down or, or try and reach out to places that we maybe don't feel comfortable or, or feel different or are reaching communities that are, that are not just like us? Yeah, I mean, I think just having conversations are really important. Uh, a friend of mine who um, runs uh, an, an organization called CARE, uh, his name's Jay Lani, he, um, works for Council on American Relations here in Minnesota. And in, in St. Cloud, when the mall incident happened, there was um, a, a restaurant um, closer to St. Cloud that had uh, a sign that said, no Muslims allowed here. And uh, he went back four times to sit down and have a conversation with this man. And on the fourth try, um, the man allowed him in. And I think oftentimes we get really uh, 
is stuck on our differences. Um, and we think it's, it's a waste of time to make the effort to get to know someone um, who, who doesn't share uh, similar opinions as us or similar cultures. But I think best communities are, are created when people step out of their comfort zones, their familiarity, um, and, and work really hard to build a, a relationship with people who are not like them. Um, and, and I think there's a, there's a lot of awfulness uh, that, is, that is happening right now in our nation, um, but it's, it's time for us to show our resilience in the face of hate. Um, and infuse it with love. And I think uh, that um, in Islam we say a smile is charity. Uh, and, and it goes a long way. I think uh, oftentimes you yourself being open um, allows others to be open to you. Uh, and, 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 and that's what I would say as we launch ourselves into the world. Well, I can't do any better than that with any other questions. This is amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause. Ilhan Omar. Thank you for listening. Our show was recorded live at the Bryant Lake Bowl in Minneapolis. If you'd like to see us in person, you can find our schedule by going to www.t2p2.net or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Thanks.